you that there are some things in this place today that we need to get a hold of. That there is a, a touch of the Holy Ghost. That there is a, a deeper level. That there is healing. That there's deliverance. That if we want it, it's here right now. The same God who made a way. Amen. The same God who created the heavens and the earth. The same God who did all the notable miracles in the Gospels. He's here today. He's here right now. And God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that enter into the temple. And who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. I, I love that scripture. Peter said, just look, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, in verse 5, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And I wonder today, did we come to church expecting to receive something? Did we come to church this morning with an expectation that God is going to do something in your life? Did you come this morning with, with a faith and a desire for something to be different? To, to maybe, you know, there were several that came to the altar during songs because they just needed a healing in their body. That's faith. That's an expectation that I believe that God can touch my body today. And that's how we ought to approach God all the time. That, that is how our approach needs to be. That we need to approach him with an expectation and a belief that he is going to do something in my life. Amen? I believe that. So today I want to I want to go through some scriptures. I want, to, I want our, our mind set to change and how we approach God. Because it's really easy. It's really easy just to get comfortable. And it's really easy just to, to warm the pew, if you will. It's really easy to just show up and, and, and leave it the way you came. That's our flesh. That's that's. That's, uh, that's how we, we like things to be comfortable like that. But I've learned that uh, in the kingdom of God, things aren't always comfortable. As a matter of fact, when things begin to be uncomfortable is usually when God's about to do something. And I've, I've learned that the most awkward moments in church when someone screams, when someone 
You know, dance is a jig. The awkward moments is when God is doing something. (laughs) Understand that spiritual things don't do well with the flesh. And our flesh likes things to be comfortable. But when the Spirit of God moves, things begin to be uncomfortable to our flesh. Amen? You going to get with me this morning? Because God's here. And I'm just, a, I'm just a messenger this morning. And I just want you to understand that your approach to God really does matter. Your approach to God really does matter. You can be seated this morning. You know, it's interesting. We, we read through the Bible and um, there are a, a few particular scripture that uh, make mention of, of God marveling. And I've, I've talked about this before, but I'm going I'm to bring it up again today. That, and to marvel means to, to wonder. It means to be in amazement, to, to, to admire. And we read of instances where the multitudes marveled at God. And even today, in our walk with God, we should still have a marvel and an admiration towards God. As a matter of fact, just, just this last couple weeks, I, I've been praying specifically about a certain situation and, and I needed an answer and, and God spoke to me and, and gave me an answer and, it, and just a very specific answer and, and I just sat back and just admired God, just marveled at the faithfulness of God. We marvel at God. We read of this through scriptures where the religious leaders would, would marvel at how Jesus answered them to their little trick questions that they had. But there was a couple other scriptures where it wasn't people marveling at God, but it was God marveling at people. In Mark 6 and verse 1, it says, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So Jesus was in his home country with his own people, the people who he had grew up with, and he was teaching in the synagogue, and they were sort of astonished at this great wisdom that this Jesus had. In verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, and, and Joseph, and of, of Judah and Simon and our, are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Verse 5, he says, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And in verse 6, and it says, and he, referring to Jesus, marveled 
because of their unbelief and went around about the villages teaching. Jesus wondered with amazement. He marveled at their approach to him, at their lack of faith. When we read through the scripture we, that when the, the disciples or whoever else didn't believe, it captivated Jesus' attention. He marveled at this unbelief. I don't want this to be my approach to God. This is not how I would like God to marvel at me or look at me. I don't want him, I don't want to approach him with unbelief. We read on in Luke chapter 7. It says, now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into um, Capernaum, and in a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and, and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy of whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. And wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and and to my servant, do this, and, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, it says that he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So we read this story of God again marveling, but this time it was at the belief, at this Roman centurion's approach. He said, There's no, I haven't seen any greater faith in all of Israel. And that great faith came from a Gentile, a Roman centurion. This centurion understood who Jesus was, and he understood Jesus' authority, and he said, you speak the word, and it'll be done. Man, what an approach to God. We know his word. We know the word that's already been spoken. And this centurion said, Jesus, if you'll just speak the word, it'll be done. Well, there's a lot of things that have already been spoken into our lives. There's been prophecies given and promises given. We can just read the scripture and and God has already spoke. Do we believe that it'll be done? This was the approach of the Roman centurion whom Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So today in this place, is there faith here today? Is there an expectation that God can take care of your situation? That he can heal your body? 
that he can touch your mind, that he can change your circumstance. Amen. I I just got to believe that we serve a God who still does miracles. Amen. I just believe that he still heals, that he still changes minds, that he still, he transforms family trees. I, I still believe that God does that today. Amen. And when I see When I hear of circumstances and situations that seem impossible and they they seem like everything's out of whack and it's not making sense. I told somebody the other day, one of my good friends, he's just in a a bad situation and, and it's a tough deal. And I said, this is a recipe for a miracle. This is an absolute recipe for, uh, for God to do a miracle. And, and I said, when God puts this back together, you're going to look back and say, you can't give anybody else the credit, but you're going to say, God did the miracle. God did it. God restored. I still believe it. The best way to get God's attention no matter where you are at or what situation you're in, is faith. It's just a simple belief and expectation in what God wants to do. (laughs) Understand that, that God really, no matter where we're at, no matter, you know, uh, what situation we find ourselves in, God has the best intentions in mind for us, okay? He is like, his very nature is to restore. His very nature is to heal, amen? His very nature is to deliver, okay? His very nature is to forgive and to, to have mercy on us. And we've got to, we've got to understand that this is what God, God wants to do in our lives. And when we begin to, when we find ourselves in situations, we got to, under, we got to, to literally be God conscious of what God wants to do in the situation and just believe that God is going to deliver me. God is going to heal me. God is going to forgive me. He's going to pull me out. He has better things in mind for me. No matter what it is. Man, I just, if we would really get a hold of this, and honestly, this, this whole message and what, I'm, this, this, what I have in my mind today that I'm going to try preach, I, just the other night, was it last night? No, it was the night before last. My, my cousin Brittany and her family stopped over. And, uh, and I don't know if you've talked to her lately, but she just like, she gives God thanks always. She's just thankful. Like everything. She's like, thank God. Thank God. God did it. And really what it all, what it has to do with, she just, uh, you can get the details from her, but God just completely blessed her with a, with a job. Like literally the the state health department literally created a position for her, okay? And you're supposed to have like a bachelor's degree and be an RN, and you're supposed to be smart, Brittany, to have this job. 
Well, my cousin Brittany has, and I, I don't think she'd mind me saying, she's struggled a little bit in school, okay? She, she has her LPN. She didn't advance in academia, but she's a hard worker. And you want to know what? Just a couple years ago, she made a decision that I'm going to live for God, that I'm going to put him first. I'm going to be faithful to this house. I'm going to get my kids here. I'm going to get my, my husband here. She made a decision. And every time she, t- she just, she just gives God, the th- she's making double what she made a couple years ago. God literally made a position. She works a day shift now. She's able to be in church. And it was all about her just saying, God is going to work this out. God, God if I, I'm just going to do what I, what I have to do. And God, I'm going to believe and have faith. And I'm going to expect that God is going to work this all out. And it's just, it's hard to do sometimes in the middle of it. But if you will just be faithful and understand despite the, because things weren't always looking so good, were they, Brittany? But now they look really good because we got two others sitting on the pew with the family. Amen? That's the, that's the faithfulness of God. I just, I believe this so, so strongly that if you will just begin to believe that God really does have great things in mind for you, <laughs> despite the circumstance right now, it's all going to work out. It's just faith. It's just a belief and a trust in God. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So today, is there any mountains that need to be uprooted today? Is there any chains that need to be broken? Any burdens loosed? Is there any sick amongst us? Is there any situations in the house that seem impossible? Does anybody need the Holy Ghost today? Does anybody need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost? Does anybody just need some more joy in their lives? I'm here to tell you that it's here today if you will just believe that he can do it. So today, I'm just, I'm just simply saying God can do it. And he wants to do it. He desires to do it. But we first have got to believe. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 15. Starting in verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed. With a devil, so there was a, a Gentile woman um, of Canaan. Um, she, uh, her daughter, was uh, vexed with a devil. In verse twenty-three, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, "Send her away, for she 
crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see this woman's approach to God? It's interesting how faith, how a belief literally changed God's timing. He went, to, he went there. These were Samaritan cities and, and he didn't want any man to know about it because the time of the Gentiles had not come yet. This was to be in the future. But this lady's faith this lady's belief in God literally caused a detour in God's timing. She was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile. She was an ancestor of ancient Israel's enemies. And there was enmity and a, a, a rivalry between, between them. And this, this message was, was for the Jew first and then to the Gentile. We understand that, but... And understand that this lady didn't really care about any of that. <laughs> she understood that she had a need and she understood who could meet her need. She didn't, she didn't really care about her background or where she was or where she grew up. And, and you may be here today and you may not have uh, um, the best uh, childhood. You may not have been raised on the right side of the tracks and you may not have the right last name and, and the right environment and all those sort of things, but, but those things, your past doesn't dictate your future. God dictates your future. And understand that this was the first and the only miracle that Jesus performed in Gentile territory. The other Gentile miracles were done when they approached him in Israel, in Jewish territory. He went miles out of his way from Capernaum to the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to meet this Gentile woman. And he, he did um, no miracles coming or going. He didn't teach along the way. God was in sort of sniper, in sniper mode to meet the need of this lady. And I believe that when we begin to have faith and we begin to really believe that God can do it, God is extremely attracted to this. Like he just shows up. He, he puts himself in a, a sniper mode, if you will, when we begin to truly believe that he can meet our situation. And the truth of it is, is when God shows up, when God shows up, things happen. I just, uh, I, I can tell you my testimony about when God showed up. I remember being an 11, 12-year-old boy and laying in my bed, and my parents were, were, were fighting 
out in the kitchen and, and things were sort of looking, they weren't looking good. And my dad had been, my dad had uh, owned and managed a, a service station at the time and, and he was literally sleeping at the service. He wasn't coming home at night because my parents weren't getting along and, and there was divorce on the horizon and, and my mom was uh, dealing with you know, anxiety and depression and taking pills for those sort of things. And my dad was uh, a recovering alcoholic at the time and he was sort of resorting back to those things and thing, things were not looking good. And I just remember laying in bed saying, I didn't know much about God. I didn't know, know much about Jesus, and I just begin to pray. Say, God, can you just touch my family? Can you, I don't want my parents to be divorced. I don't, I don't want uh, this to end up that way. And, and I just remember that God showed up. <laughs> Literally, God showed up, and he showed up in a, in a little pamphlet on our doorstep the next week. And that pamphlet told the, the testimony of Brother Les Winterovich and his family. And, and Brother Les, he lives in Jamestown now. But he was my, one of my dad's old party buddies. And it told the testimony how God had changed his life around. And that pamphlet sat on our, on our kitchen table for weeks. And my parents would look at it. And I remember them one time, just like, should we call him? And, uh, they, you know, they didn't call him right away. They were kind of reluctant. But one day they just called him, say, Les, we need, we need some help. We need some help. And, and Les began to teach them a Bible study. And really the, the rest is history. But, but I believed in that moment that our, my only, the only solution to what was going on was God. And God showed up. Amen. And that's where God wants each and every single one of us to come to, that we would come to, to moments in our lives and we would understand that only God can fix this. He's my only answer. And when we really believe that, I promise you, he shows up. He shows up. You know, God's not afraid of bad situations. He's not afraid of Gentile territory. He's not afraid of, of Skid Row. He's not afraid of the bar. He's not afraid of, of brokenness. He's not, a, he, he's not afraid of enemy, enemy territory. Understand that God is on the offense. Okay. He's seeking to pull people out of those situations. Sometimes we, we have this mindset that we are so far deep, so far lost, that God would never come to where I'm at to help me. But that's the, this, this, this scripture that I just read um, shows the contrary because God came into enemy territory to pull this lady out of her situation. He's on the offense. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is, he's moving forward. Paul said it like this, if God before me, then who can be against me? Amen. Isaiah said it like this, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
God wins. God is victorious every single time. So our response matters and our approach matters. So we continue through this story of Jesus' Jesus's response to, to this lady was really like no other response he had ever given before. He was just silent. He usually had the right answer and, and the right response for everybody, but he said nothing. And then he replied to his disciples that the woman, um, w- w- that he wasn't sent to the lost sheep of Israel for the likes of her, not to the Gentiles. That seems like a really just a tough thing to say, but it was all about timing. It was, the timing wasn't quite right. To, but it's interesting that right after Jesus said that, right after it seemed that Jesus denied her, what did the woman do? It said that she came and she worshipped him. That's interesting. After being denied, it said that she bowed down and worshipped him. After the Messiah said no, she worshipped him. The truth of it is, is sometimes we've just got to worship. We've just got to worship our way through. We've got to worship until the walls fall down. And I believe that Jesus was sort of testing her faith. He was sort of giving her an opportunity because the deal is, is we don't like to be denied because that kind of hurts our faith. It hurts our pride and it, it's a, it hurts our flesh, if you will. But like I taught last week about brokenness, God wants us to bring us to a point where we don't re- it doesn't matter who we are. <laughs> this, uh, this Gentile lady understood who she was and it didn't really matter to her who she was because she understood who he was. And that's really the point that God wants to bring us to, where we no longer care about us, how we look, our position, who we are, our reputation. But all we know is that he's the answer. He's the one who can meet my need. And and that's exactly the point that this gal got to, that this lady got to. She came and she worshipped him. She bowed down after being denied. And I think that we can learn a lesson from this. Oftentimes when God is silent, we become silent. We give up. But David said that he would enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And we understand the order of that that Old Testament tabernacle that after entering um, the gates and into the courts, there was the altar and there was the laver of water and then there was the holy place. But David said that before any of that, before forgiveness, before the sacrifice, before the washing of the water, before the sweet incense, before the Shekinah glory, before any of that, David said, I am going to worship. 
I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to give praise to God. David was able to put those things before the great miracle, before the blessings. That's exactly what this lady did. She bowed down and worshiped before the healing, before the miracle. You know, it's interesting that I was thinking about this, that, you know, truly thankful people, they're thankful before they're given something. They're thankful before the blessing. You know, I, I don't know, like, sometimes my kids aren't thankful. That's just the bottom line. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're pouting. They're moping around because they, they wanted something, okay? And then they get it, right? And then they all of a sudden become thankful. Oh, thank you, Daddy. I'm so thankful. I love you, Daddy, right? Well, the truth of it is that's not true thankfulness. Truly thankful people are thankful before they get something, okay? They're just, they're thankful all the time. And I think the same is true for people who are faithful people. That we're, we believe before the miracle. We, be, we believe in God before the healing. Okay, we, we live a life believing even though we haven't all ready we haven't received it yet you get what i'm saying here that we believe i believe there's a heaven i believe i'm going there someday i'm not there yet and i haven't seen it but i believe that's faith if you're here today and you have a, a need in your body you should just right now before you're healed you can already walk in faith believing that god is going to heal you That's called just being faithful, just believing step by step. And you'll be, it's interesting how when you change your perspective on that, God begins to do some things. When you begin to worship before your healing, we begin to thank God before the blessing. Things begin to change, perspectives begin to change, and God is highly attracted to that approach. Amen? Faith believes before the miracle, not after. Faith believes before the healing, not after. Because it doesn't take any faith to believe in the healing after, because you can see it. But it takes faith to believe it before it happens. Amen? It's not... Jesus said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She said, truth. That's true. But even the dogs get the crumbs. I love that response. She recognized the truth behind her situation. She knew her daughter had a demon. She knew that she was a Gentile. She knew that she was undeserving and unworthy. It didn't matter to her. Her status didn't matter. 
It was his status that mattered to her. And she knew that Jesus was the answer to her problem. She knew that he was the one who could heal her daughter, that her problem could be taken care of. And it's interesting that great faith oftentimes comes in unlikely places and is measured by its disadvantages. It don't really matter your situation today. It don't matter where you're from or who you are. If you would believe and expect God to do something, he will do it. The Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's kind of a, just a sort of a cryptic verse, at least in my mind it is. It may be just clear for everybody else, but faith is the substance and it's the evidence. So faith is the substance and the evidence, okay, of things hoped for and of things not seen. So what does that mean? Like, are you walking in a way, is there substance and evidence in your life of things that are hoped for and things that you do not see? Is there substance and evidence in your life? Understand that physical eyesight produces a conviction or evidence of visible things. So because I can see that window over there, I know that there's a window over there. But faith is the organ which enables people to see the invisible order. Faith is the substance and evidence that allows us to see the things that God is doing and the things that God is going to do. Is our life evidence of Christ's changing power? Is there proof in the pudding? Does the way we talk indicate that there is a Holy Ghost at work in our lives? If you were, you know, I've said this before, but if you were the suspect in an accusation that there is a God, would there be enough evidence to find you guilty? Is there substance and evidence in the way you walk Prove, prove that there is a God. Faith has to do with the future and the unseen, making the future present and the unseen evident. Faith is a, is a very interesting thing because it's just a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's an approach. It's a perspective in which you view everything. So your actions now should show what you believe is going to happen. So how you walk and talk right now should show what you believe is going to happen. The words that you speak now show what you believe to be in the future. It's literally an attitude of spirit, of the spirit of, of victory. And as the church, 
There's sometimes, and, and maybe I shouldn't even say sometimes, but we need to learn to live this way. We need to learn to dance in advance. Amen. We need to learn to praise God in preparation. Just like this lady, she worshiped before the healing. That's faith. That you would just live this lifestyle of believing that God is going to do it. And here's the deal. It's really the only way to live. Regardless of of who you are and what your situation, this life of faith is the only way to live. Hebrews 11 says, now faith. Is there anybody here today that has now faith? Do you have faith right now? That God could do it right now? Sister Beagler, do you believe God could heal you today? That's just now faith. Anybody else, anybody need a physical healing in their body today? Sister Evie, Sister Lance, Sister Beagler, Brother Doug, Sister Pritchett, Jonathan, Kieran, Sister Sue Ellen, Sister Brittany. Do you believe that God could do it today? Is there any, anybody just need a refilling of the Holy Ghost? That you've been battling something in your mind? God wants to do that today. Amen? And I believe if you will believe and have this perspective and mindset that God is, is going to, he's, he's already working it out right now. Amen? You don't have to live your life in defeat. Okay? And, and understand that, you know, there are valley lows and there are, there are mountain highs in living for God. And David, we, we, we read of these in, in Psalms where, where David, even in the valley of the shadow of death, he understood that God was with him, okay, that he was there to comfort him. So understand that living in faith, you know, you know Brother Robinette, and if you're going to camp this week, you'll, you're gonna, he's going to preach faith every night. <laughs> he's going to preach revival He's going to probably preach a message on radical submission. It's just what he does. But the guy literally walks in faith. He just believes it. Okay? And I've got got to know him on a personal level. Okay? He's told me stories that he probably wouldn't tell you over the pulpit. But Brother Robinette has problems too. Okay? He has things go wrong in his life. He has enemies. He has people that have turned against him. Not everything is mountaintop, but it doesn't change the fact that he still believes. Okay, faith is bigger than a mountaintop. Okay? It's it's more than just an emotion of wishful thinking. But it's believing that regardless of the situation you're in, that God's still in control, that God's still going to do it, okay? So don't let your circumstances dictate your faith. 
Understand that David, David went through all these sorts of things. He, he messed up. He had problems with his family. He had problems with his own son rising up against him. He, his, his father-in-law, his, his wife, they, they were, he had all sorts of problems. David had, say, David had problems. But when we think of David, what do we think of? The first thing I think of David, I don't think of Bathsheba. I don't think of Absalom. I don't think of Saul. I think of the faithfulness of David, the faith of David. Amen, that he was able to endure through these things. That's faithfulness. So don't let your circumstance, and a lot of time, and I, this has been the message of the, I don't know, my, my good friend, Brother Sletton, he always says, that's the message of the hour. He always has this thing going on that he's preaching all the time and talking about. He's like, that's the message for the apostolic church for the hour. I said, bro, you say that all the time. I told that to him the other day because it's always something different. But the message for the hour for me today has been this. Like, we just need to pound the stake in the ground. Say, I believe, regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of my circumstance, I believe that God is going to see me through this. Junior, God's going to see you through this. Amen. He, he's bringing you through this. This healthy, how many years now? Eight years, but the junior's been struggling with this dialysis and blood issue. It's not quite as long as 12 years of the lady in the Bible with the issue of blood. Okay, but God's going to see you through this. Amen. This is not unto death. Okay, God is going to see you through this. And right now, when you're not feeling good, oftentimes he walks back to the bathroom to puke. He's not feeling well. That's what dialysis does. Okay, oftentimes he's maybe a little late because he's, you know, not feeling good, but he's here. (laughs) Faithfulness. They showed up uh, how, how many years ago on the back pew? And now his whole family is here. That's faithfulness. That's saying, God, I believe you're going to see me through this. Okay? Despite how I feel, God, you're the answer. God, you're going to get me through this issue. It's called faithfulness. And I believe that there's just, this is just a simple message today, but we got to just pound the stake in the ground, church, that we're going to live this, that we're going to believe this, no matter how you feel, no matter your circumstance, no matter what's going on around you, God, you're in control. Amen? Has anybody got any now faith in the house? You know this? I'll tell you what. This world is crazy. This world is so crazy. And they just do crazy things. All the time. I mean, it's just nuts. Like, just go on YouTube. You can watch all the crazy things people do. And for adrenaline rushes and jumping off of cliffs. And, and of course, many, many have turned to drugs and alcohol and, and just, uh, just all these sorts of crazy things that people do for the world. And you want to know what? I just, I kind of want to just be crazy for the kingdom. Like, you know those people that are just kind of always on the edge? Like, when they're in church, when Robinette's here preaching, like, you just don't know what's going to happen. 
Like, you just don't know what it is. He's just on the edge all the time because he's just crazy. He just believes that God's going to do it. I'm like, well, I'm going to take the safer approach here. <laughs> right? That's what we, we like to save face, but, but I just want to be a crazy apostolic. Like, just kind of balancing on this edge because when you're on the edge, guess what? When you believe, God wants us to be on the edge. Because when we're on the edge, that's where he can do the work. Like when Peter jumped in that water, right, and he believed that that was Jesus over there, okay? He walked on water. He was on the edge. When he stopped believing, he started doubting, he began to sink. I, I believe it's up to the apostolic church during this time. Like, I don't want the world to be crazier than we are. Like, I think it's time for us to just, who really cares? Okay, ladies, they already see you in Target with a skirt on. Okay, they already are, they're already, they already think you're crazy, Sister Patty. I know nobody who would ever think Sister Patty's crazy. But they already think you're crazy. Okay? You know, you're at work, Junior, and you're not swearing. You're not laughing at that dirty joke. They know you don't work Sundays. They, this, they already think you're crazy. This guy's crazy. We may as well just give him more to talk about. We may as well just, just invite him to church. We may as well just be like, hey, can I pray for you right now? We, we may as well tell them the story of, of the great testimony at church. We may as well. And, I, you know, oh, I, I, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, what are, why are we holding back? Why, are we, why do we subdue ourselves? The world is in our face everywhere all the time with this craziness. I believe that it's time for the church. Like, God responds to crazy faith. Like God just responds when you just, when you go out on a limb and put yourself out there. And I believe it's time for the apostolic church in, in Bismarck, North Dakota to just have faith and really believe that God's going to do it. And really this, this comes down to each and every single one of us. That I, and I believe that you know, God has spoken things over this church. He's spoken revival, and he's spoken. And I, I received a letter about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, from a man of God whom I respect, and he, he says, I prophesy that, that your church is going to double. Like, I believe that we're running about 120 at the time, 110. So that's, that's over 200 people. That, that would fill this sanctuary. Like, I believe that. I believe that that's what God wants to do. Okay, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, he's like, what are you going to do when you're all filled up in here? I'm like, well, we got plans already drawn for a new sanctuary. Okay, I believe that. I believe we're going we're gonna to cut, we're going to tear off those garages back there. There's going to be a whole other sanctuary out back. Maybe you could seat a thousand people. Like, that's not a, a thousand people? You're crazy. No, I'm not. A thousand people of... 70,000, what's, what's that percentage-wise? It's like, I don't know, someone do the math. 1,000 out of 70,000, Brother Slate, on the spot. 
What's that? No one knows. It's, it's too small. That's why it's too small. 10% of 70,000, that's 7,000 7, people. We may be getting somewhere there, but the truth is, is the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. It, it would be the will of God for everybody to be in, in Bismarck, North Dakota, to every, for everybody to obey the gospel. That's insane, preacher. No, that's what the Bible says. Jesus went to the cross for everyone. So I want to be God conscious. And if I don't believe that our vision and that our faith can be too big. People who try to say that, that's, you know, God's not going to save everybody. I know that God's not going to save everybody. But you want to know what? God wants to save everybody. It's God's will that everybody would be saved. Okay, so why not act as if that's what God wants to do? Amen? That's that's where this church is going. And it's going to take each and every single one of us to get on board and say, you want to know what? I am going to reach out. I'm going to be crazy. They already, Nikki, they already think you're crazy. Okay? Like, well... Shane got a hold of her and taught her a Bible study. Now she's, you know, that's what the guys at work are thinking. They already think you're crazy. You may as well say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come and drink from this new wine? You can hang from the chandeliers with us. Okay? So let's just, let's just I, you know, I don't even think we're going to have an altar call today. I just want us to go for Let's just be crazy. Okay? Let's just be crazy. Like, just, just do it and see what happens. And you want to know what? Being crazy is kind of uncomfortable. Okay, it's like, oh, I wonder what. They already think you're crazy. Brother Tom, all those, all those family members you got, they're like, what in the world happened to Brother Tom? You may as well give them something more to talk about. Okay? I believe. Let's stand today. I honestly had like three messages I just kind of threw on. I didn't know what I was going to preach. I just, I want there to be a mind change and just a shift of thinking. Because listen, God's in charge. God has, God has things in store for us. He has things in store for every family here, every man, woman, and child for this church as a whole. And I simply just want to tap into what God has. Amen. We just pray as we close. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy today. God, I thank you for your grace today. God, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would touch every man, woman, and child in this place. God, that we would go forward, God, from this service. God, that we would reach out. God, that we would just believe, God, that you're going to do it. God, that we would just believe, God, that you're going to touch our minds and heal our bodies. God, that you're going to save people, that people are going to get the Holy Ghost. God, that people are going to repent, oh God. In the name of Jesus, God, that we would believe, God, that you're 
you're in charge, our perspective and our mindset would change, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we worship you. We thank you, God, for all that you've done, everything that you've done, God, every victory, God, that you've given. But God, we praise you in preparation, oh God, for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, God, we worship you, God, before the miracle, before the healing, oh God. Lord, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, the walls of Jericho came down after they shouted, after they worshiped. The walls of Jericho came down after they believed. Okay, so church, let's go forward and let's believe that God is going to do it. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm not going to do an altar call today because i got to go to camp. It's 1223. God bless you all. Everybody who's going to camp this week, please travel safe.